Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. running motorsport magazine show midweek motorsport news features special guests and analysis from the experts formula one sports car and endurance racing rallying touring cars and bikes if it has wheels and an engine and they keep score it's on midweek motorsport Hello everybody and welcome along to another live edition of Midweek Motorsport. We're at Series 15 and we've progressed to episode number 16 this week. I'm John Hindorf at Hindorf Towers. Of course, we're observing social distancing, hashtag stay home, stay safe and protect the NHS. And that has a bearing on one of our guests and one of our stories tonight. Up in London, Tim Gray is our executive producer. And on the patch show tonight, Tim, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features. Excellent. We have a uh, lot of special guests, including our big interview this week, which is with Alexandre Gibault, who is head of Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific. And John will be singing happy birthday to him. Well, to the organisation, yeah. Yes, Three to them. Yesterday, I think. Uh, yes, yesterday uh, it was their third birthday. Uh, we've also we'll also be looking back at some digital motorsport from the weekend. It was the third round of the DNLS powered by VCO, and we've got the winners. We're stretching our technology from Argentina and Spain, the winning pair. And, and we'll be together. talking to someone who uh, has been doing a lot of work for charity. Mate. It does like to talk about it, though. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Very good indeed. Uh, we've also got some of our contributors as well this week. And your submissions, please, on Aspect Attainment. Uh, Kevin Payne is listening live uh, this evening. Uh, I enjoyed the uh, IMSA Sim Race last Thursday, but I do find the DNLS much more engaging. No idea why that is. Jonathan I. Ezo. Being a while and EFA today, very enjoying the various e-races, especially with your commentary. Uh, can't wait to hear tonight's top-notch motorsport speculation, says Austin Hilliard Racing. And Yoda's uncle uh, is tuned in as well tonight. Neil Gardner, looking forward to tonight. Sat with a beer and a Lamborghini Huracan on the board. Yes, he's not driving. If anybody says anything, he's drawing, not driving. I'm not sure about drinking and drawing. How difficult is that, Neil? I'm not sure. Brody, no AFAs tonight. Uh, he has got a little personal fitness on the turbo trainer, then vehicle modelling for a photo shoot. Uh, all the fun of going out while staying at home, he says. Uh, Matthew Hyman, no apologies. Just put the barbecue on about an hour ago. Fire pit loaded with some old Christmas tree stump listening to Midway Motorsport in the garden tonight. Gufflemont, no AFAs. Just booked my place, says Gufflemont for the... 2020 September just so happens that I was planning to be in France in September anyway let's hope it goes ahead as planned Alexander Orban looking forward to a supper of Spanish chicken with red peppers and silky mashed potatoes and a glass or so of cold creamy white burn 
followed by uh, Midweek Motorsport. That sounds lovely. Sounds very nice. Yeah, very nice. Uh, Keke Murray, long walk off a short duck. Social assistant offers front counter training under COVID emergency. Uh, in progress, he says. Uh, I'll enjoy the podcast when it arrives. A must, much enjoyable, a very enjoyable stress buster. The angry pothole, AFA, set off hot tub for wife and kids, and I'm by the fire putting uh, fire pit, eating s'mores. Wi-Fi doesn't quite reach far enough, and 4G non-existent in rural Norfolk. Unfortunate apologies. Says Rob Jana, looking forward to the podcast. Carol Brink is sewing masks and enjoying the sunshine in Monterey, California, overlooking the beer there. In a shot move, I've been able to make room in my busy social schedule, and as an exception to the rule, I'm tuning in to Midweek Motorsports. Says right turn lover. Good to have you live at RTL tonight. Chris Ring, uh, no AFAs, but I do have to pop outside at 9.30 to look for Elon Musk's satellite. Another week of isolation and my sourdough is getting better. Fab with my home mid Riette. I need that Riette. Uh, that roulette. Riette. Riette. Uh, menu. Menu. Uh, what's Recipe. The word? Thank you. Recipe. I talk for a living, you know. Uh, Chris, thank you for that. And the sourdough looks fantastic. Chris Suku, no AFA, is working uh, in the studio on a short film. Having to work out uh, how to use the equipment. I think it'll take me about two hours. Yes. EFAs for a change to Stephen Gardner. Conference call at 3pm Eastern. Hopefully only an hour and I'll listen to the second half live. Spooner in Orange. Looking forward uh, to a break from seeing people's cats, dogs and kitchens following a day of video calls. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I know what you mean. Uh, Oliver Giles, Olivier Gillet. Uh, no need to listen back on the podcast this week. Always a delight and pleasure. Hope everyone's staying, uh, staying fit and healthy. Simon Hoff's listening while working from home. Slow pass. Fourth week in a row, tuning in live. Two more weeks of school until graduation. I have time uh, to work on the GTI uh, Oklahoma this weekend. Jill's out of bridge Wednesday. Again, don't mind if I do, he says quite simply on that spec And Jack Gabriel had a good week on lockdown. Finally got started on the new project, the BMW E30. And I have a little helper as well, says Jack. Serafina Chu uh, having a bit of trouble uh, accessing the stream tonight from the website. Oh, sorry about that. I hope you've got that sorted. I don't think anybody else has. Phil uh, is on tonight uh, listening. Uh, a full-time HS advisor working remotely at home. Uh, not showing up on Chrome, said Serafina. Oh, it is on my Chrome, but never mind. Uh, Monty listening live again. Kevin Payne, uh, I think we mentioned before. Sarah Rigby's in uh, listening uh, after a very uh, busy day. Working on awards. Please stay safe, Sarah, won't you, on the front line. Looking forward to listening to Sam Bird this evening. Uh, hello to Phil. Hello to Rotation. Dave Alcock. Chris Suku. Uh, Neil with mentions. And uh, Safe Phil as well. Watching and listening to two things at once tonight. The Starlink launch. With uh, Team Manage 30. Uh, so 45 minutes uh, it'll be flying over the UK. Uh, and, uh, oh, that's, I'm going to retweet that. That's really cool. Uh, right, let's move on to our top story. Play the jingle, shuffle your papers, please, Tim. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Papers have been shuffled. I did hear that in the background. What's the top story tonight, Tim? Uh, well, it's kind of a, a sad calendar cancellation news, I'm afraid. Really? Uh, I'm just going to quote directly from the press release. 
In these challenging days, the Motorsports Fraternity sends a message of solidarity to all drivers, officials, volunteers, sponsors, partners and fans across the world as we stay positive that we shall race again soon. Referring to the public notice issued by the Office of the Prime Minister regarding COVID-19 and in consultation with the Ministry of Sports and the FIA, we regret to inform drivers, sponsors, partners and fans that the Rwandan Mountain Gorilla Rally 2020, which was scheduled to be flagged off on May the 15th, will be postponed to a later date. Nick Damon is our Rwandan Mountain Gorilla Rally correspondent, the only rally that he actually wants to go to. I know. And when Gerald was asked if he was if he was wild, he said, wild, I was absolutely livid. Yeah, absolutely. Won't be able to say it. That's, that is disappointing. We must we must find out if we can cover that. Somewhere, even if we just have to do it on timing. I'm it's sure great. we can cover that. We just need to find out what the new date will be. Yeah. Uh, well, fixture congestion by the end of the season. We'll be talking to Sam Bird about that later on. Um, well, that clearly had to be the top story, Tim. Um, I don't think you could possibly have anything else that has the magnitude of that, so shall we just pack up now? Uh, no, there, there are other things we could talk about, okay, but obviously then. the can- uh, not cancellation, it's just a postponement okay. of the Rwandan Mountain Gorilla Rally, mm. uh, which was due to start uh, in just over three weeks' time. Mm. Uh, I think it was three weeks tomorrow. Mm. Um, I'm devastated. Sorry, three weeks a day after tomorrow, three weeks Friday. Yeah. Um, and that's now going to take place later in the year, hopefully. What else have you got? Please give us something positive to bring us up from that, that crushing blow. Well, we've heard <laughs> Nick uh, Damon's views on uh, what's been going on in Rwanda. Uh, but now we need to talk to him about Formula One. Hooray! Do I detect your hoorays are getting slightly shorter and slightly less excitable i was going to say the opposite they he seems to be drawing them out for as long as he can what i've tried to do is i've tried to give them a bit of pizzazz so i'm trying to give them a little bit of an emphasis in different parts of the a or the who depending on how i'm feeling that day and that was more of a end emphasis it's finished on an up as you said john ah okay he said, not really convinced. Uh, so Formula One stories then. There, have been, there has actually been a bit of news this there, week. There too. certainly has. And although in the UK we are only allowed to go uh, shopping for uh, essential uh, food and uh, personal hygiene items, uh, obviously you can do other shopping online. So I presume that uh, when Toto Wolf bought 4% of Aston Martin this week, he did it via Amazon. Absolutely. <laughs> So it was a virtual purchase. Yes, he's he's he bought five percent, I think, or four percent. And then by the time that because they were doing a refinancing, about two days later, it was point nine three percent or something ridiculous like that. Um, yes, so much as was much rumoured, um, Toto has bought into Aston Martin. Apparently, apparently, mate, uh, just as a financial investment, nothing else involved. Just a bit of a, you know, a uh, um, a speculatively punt. It must be nice to have that much money to just speculatively punt on things. Um, bit of a billy bargain at the moment if you accept the fact that they are going to bounce back with the new DBX, the SUV that's going to be built down in Wales. Apparently 2,000 orders sitting in the order books already for that car and uh, nobody's. I don't think very many people have even been able to sit in one yet. Although I've seen, seen one in the flesh, seen a couple in the flesh driving around uh, this part of the world. I'm sure yeah. we'll have one for a road test once we're allowed to get out on the roads. But we don't. Possibly. Yeah, but don't forget the Mercedes-Benz themselves, of course. Daimler-Benz have a, a 5% stake in uh, Aston Martin as well and supply them with their engines. So there's no conflict of interest because they use uh, Mercedes engines. So very no good one, point. 
about his share sharing and he says it is purely a personal investment and who we disagree mm-hmm. okay could have done it in his wife's name that would have uh made it even yeah. less uh yeah. Transparent of interest, no more transparent. Less, well, possibly less transparent. Yeah, I mean, yeah Susie, because she's a team principal of an E team, so she'd need to, she'd get invested anyway. She'd have to invest in Tesla, I think. Hmm. Which E team is she team principal of, though? The Venturi. Let's move back to Formula One. So that'd be a no, then. It's a team with flipping Massa, isn't it? Lewis Hamilton's not going to Ferrari. Is he not? Oh, that's, do you know what? I got all the T-shirts printed and everything. No, he ones. No, because basically what's happened is they have run out of things to talk about. And so they're now making a story about Sebastian Vettel not signing the contract that he'd never actually signed in the first place, nor had he said he'd signed. Um, but that's now a story. The fact that someone who hadn't signed the contract hasn't signed the contract. But they've made it a row, so that's quite good. Um, I think we mentioned that uh, a few weeks ago that um, he had been offered a a one-year extension um, at significantly less money than he was on already. And in fairness, he, he can't argue about significantly less money because he's been significantly less good. Um, but he's apparently, apparently, allegedly, has turned that down flat as, a, as an insult, a joke. He's been offered a third of the money in a one-year contract because he always gets three-year contracts. No one in their right mind would sign Sebastian Vettel with a three-year contract. His star is waning. He needs to prove he's worth it. And that's obviously harder when there's less races. Uh, and so now, because he's done that, the, the press is going to hyperdrive. And he is being replaced by either... Um, <laughs> hang uh, on, hang on. Sons. Settle back, everybody. Get a drink, because this could be a long list. Oh, it will be a long side, list. Uh, Danny Ricciardo, sorry. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, possibly Mick Schumacher... Um, the young kid who's only done a Formula 3 for Ferrari, and obviously, the obvious person actually going to replace him is Fernando Alonso. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so basically, it is a, 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 it's a... There's nothing else to write about, even less than normal, and people are going, oh, he's not... He's, I'm, I'm pretty certain that if he was offered a third of the money for a year, he's not very pleased about it, but he's not exactly in a strong bargaining position, is he? Gazzetta della Sport and all the Italian press have filled pages this week. By the way, you were right, it was Venturi. Uh, that Susie Wolf is. Yeah. Uh, and hello to Monty as well, who's listening live this week. Highlight of his week, he says. Um, they've filled pages and pages in, in all the Italian press this week, Nick, uh, with um, uh, speculation, with uh, details of all the drivers that it, it might be, uh, which is pretty much everybody. Uh, well, let's, let's do some of our own speculation. All right. Uh, let's start with Daniel Ricciardo, whose contract at Renault... Uh, ends at the end of this year and who's already been told he's having to take a pay cut while uh, there's no racing going on. Yeah, that'd be a good call. But why would he go there to be number two to the cheeky young upstart, it is I, Leclerc, where he didn't like being number two anywhere else he's been? Well, I suppose he probably feels, A, he's obviously got Italian blood, which, which does help. Um, yeah. And um, he probably feels he wouldn't be number two. He probably feels he can take on Leclerc, for, for, yeah, as they always do. I mean, you know, the writing was on the wall at um, Red Bull, but Red Bull have a history of only being able to run one car decently, you know. Or option B, Mark Webber really was rubbish, which is actually where I go for. Um, but um, Or a journeyman, let's, be, let's say that. And, um, yeah, Speaks so, I mean, very highly of you. No, I, I personally, I think he's a great guy, but you know, racing driver wise, you know, you only have to look at his head head against Seb Fettel, who's been proven not to be that great by a number of drivers, including Ricciardo and uh, Leclerc. 
and everyone else had driven against him. And you kind of go, all right, okay, so he had a car that suited him, but really beating, being beaten as hands down as he was says a lot more about uh, Weber's relative pace. It does about Fettel's, as we found out, post-fact. Um, yeah, Ricciardo's a good call. Um, and obviously the good thing about Ricciardo is he's not political and he gets on well with people. So he's not having any issues with sulking. He's also very, he doesn't make many mistakes, which is a plus point um, with, uh, with Vettel. And probably he's as quick as Seb at the moment as well. What's he been doing on social media this week? Um, Ploughing, as in you, or um, driving a tractor. And writing a diary. Mm, that's not what I saw. What did you say? Not the, only person, on the, the only person I've seen driving a tractor this week is uh, Frederick Vasseur. He's, he's down his farm in, in Australia, isn't he? Uh, he was uh, doing some parkour badly. Was he? Yeah. Oh, right. Really badly. Yes. The best right, bit was him ride, uh, coming in on his trials bike. Yes, but that didn't last very long. No. Once he nice jumped entrance. on the sofa, that was it. Mm. I can't. I can't even think that you're doing parkour badly. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a recipe for a very quick trip to A and E. Yes, uh, he was putting no um, emotion into it. Um, mm. Sounds unlike him. Carlos Sainz. What about yeah. him at Ferrari? No, not a good idea. Because? Uh, because he would not be um, wanting to play second fiddle or happy with any fiddling of a second type. Um, but it's Ferrari. Didn't like the situation for Stappen, and if he's, he's had a chance to be team leader at um, McLaren, and don't forget McLaren getting Mercedes engines, and at some point Lewis Hamilton's going to retire, do you not want to stay on that side of the fence? Well, oh, that's very good. I like that. That's very good. By the way, Rotation says he hasn't signed a contract this week either, so could he? Did, would we like to talk about that? Yes, uh, we would. We, yeah. We'll offer him a third of what he's currently earning. And, and, I think, uh, <laughs> I think and, if, you, if, you, if you check Corey de la Serra, he was mentioned. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think you're probably right. Spooner in Orange says, you mix Nigel Mansell come back from the vic- vacancy list for the Ferrari seat. <laughs> he's retired. Mm. I'm not sure if make the chassis wide enough, but... Uh, for a bit of Giovinazzi. Giovinazzi. Too slow, but Italian enough. Mm. And Ferrari connections, obviously. Yes. Junior driver. Too slow, though. Right. Does it matter? As long as they yeah. can score some points. No, they need to score a lot of points to get the Constructors' Championship. Okay. Yes, because they want to win the Constructors' Championship. Having Charles Leclerc winning the Drivers' Championship is all very well, but that's not what Ferrari's in Formula 1 for. Yeah, but they're not going to anytime soon, so not while yeah, who Lew- knows? Lewis who and knows? Mercedes are still together. Who knows? The whole, don't forget, all bets are off. They've, they've all sat down, and then when we, when we get our 10-race season, who knows which car we could just that would be the nine-race season that will start uh, with the eight-race season, the seven-race season, and it literally is going down that quick. I'm, I want to know. I'm sure Declan Gutierrez, where there's like an over-under on the bet on the gambling now. Is 12 the thing, and you, you, you can kind of spread bet over and under on 12 races this season. Well, we'll get we'll talk about that second, later. Yeah, second hour tonight, sure. Uh, I'm going to deal with the next two suggestions together, okay. uh, which are Schumacher and DeLacy. Yeah, but they're both sons, but they are too inexperienced and they would not go straight to the main team, so they need to have at least a year in the B team. Right, which is who, who is the other Ferrari test driver at the moment? Schwartzman, isn't it? Ah, Robert yes. Schwartzman, the Russian yeah, who uh, won the uh, Formula 3 title right. mm-hmm. last year. Uh, or the year before. I can't remember what year it is, to be honest. Um, what day it is. Enzo <laughs> Fittipaldi. No, again, Enzo Fittipaldi hasn't done a year. They're not going to put a rookie in there. Well, even with the experience of uh, Leclerc by the time we get to next season? 
no, they're not. Again, they want to win the Constructors Championship. Therefore, they want to have someone who's got F1 experience. What if they have someone who's good and no. isn't going to got win the too. title in the first year, but will in the second year, by which time no. Lewis will have retired? No, not going to happen. No. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, my not going to happen is actually are pretty good. I get, I get many things slightly awry, but not going to happen. It's never happen. And that's not going to happen. Uh, so, who's it going to be then? Uh, I think it's going to be Fettel or Ricardo. Fettel for one year. Yeah, Fettel's going to have to swallow his pride and take a one-year contract. Yeah. Or Ricardo for two. What he'll get is a one-year contract with options, but all the options on Ferrari's side. Yeah. Yeah. With an so option can, to go to so Alfa Romeo so he, if you're terrible. So he can have a, you know, he can save face on the whole thing. The fact is that Seb, I mean, as it stands, we don't know what Seb 2020 is like. Seb 2019 didn't deserve another high pay. Absolutely deserves a one-third the money contract, but didn't deserve the full Monty contract. And if they're thinking the marketplace is going to be empty, why would they want to time set? They've been tied down to expensive drivers so many times before and had to pay them off to get rid of them. Um, They don't need to do that. It's still the plumb seat. I want to see Reikinen come back. Well, he hasn't actually gone anywhere. He's still racing. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. It's a hobby. What, what's he been saying uh, this week? Who? Kimi Raikkonen. I was going to do this story later, but I'm skipping right. to it now because you mentioned him. I don't know if he answered that question because I don't follow his, his movements with great interest. Because you're a Formula 1 correspondent. Uh, he said, uh, <laughs> sim racing is not what he came into motorsport for and he's not interested. Uh, each, to, each to their own. Rotation says, does the 10-race season you were talking about featuring six different races on different layouts at Paul Ricard? No. No, it no, does it uh, feature well, three, three different alone. layouts at Silverstone, which is what we're coming on to next. Yes. one on the national circuit, that'd be a laugh, wouldn't it? Isn't there a rule about how long a Formula 1 circuit has to be? Yes. There is a minimum lap time. And do you know one circuit in qualifying actually fails it? And that's um, Austria. The mm. qualifying time in Austria is below, I think it's 65 seconds. Correct. In lap time. But it, isn't, but it isn't underneath it in race pace, so it's fine. I, I would, I, I'm going to say this right now. Let's... I'm going to say that the national circuit at Silverstone, you could do a lap <laughs> of that in the Porsche 911 in yes. uh, under 65 yeah, right. seconds, okay. I think. Store circuit. Uh, I, I, I refer the honourable gentleman, or in Nick's case, obviously the dishonourable gentleman, he would hate to be called honourable, um, to what... Gerard Navo said a couple of weeks ago on this programme that the FIA are taking a very pragmatic look at all of the regulations if it means getting races off, if it means races go ahead. So not necessarily the right amount of continents, not necessarily lap times, all that. So I, I can't see Formula One going to non um Class uh, Grade One tracks, Nick. No, they can't. I, I, but that, that is that. That is why there have been a number of Grade One tracks suddenly turn up. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So I, I, gen- I genuinely think. I genuinely think we're going to see a see a race in Portimao. Yeah, me too. Because just, just because it it fits in, it's so it fits in at any time, up until what mid October they could get one in yeah, Portimao. First weekend of November, possibly. I genuinely think that's going to happen. I'm certainly behind closed doors, but Portman don't care because it's just a fact of the circuit high for them. They can say a full one circuit and they'll make more money in the future from it. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, there are a number, obviously, with the, the, the I think 
we spoke about it last week about the August 31st blanket ban on large gatherings in now in the Netherlands now as well as Belgium. So that pretty much stymies Zanvor getting back on the calendar this year. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's they're still saying that they, they, they think they can get going at Red Bull Ring on the third to fifth of July. Possible that will be behind closed doors. They'd yes. all be behind closed doors, right? But the, behind, but the thing is, even, but the problem is, is that even to run behind closed doors is what seven hundred people, oh, nine hundred people, a way thousand. more than that. At minimum of a thousand. There, there's a interview uh, on the uh, well, no, motorsport they can, they can magazine the website. Press. Um, with Alan Gow at the moment, who is uh, um, boss, of BTCC, boss of the British Touring Car Championship, and he's saying behind closed doors is not an option for them because if you go to Donington Park, they have 280 marshals at Donington Park. Right. Would you have to have that many marshals, though? Could you not replace flag marshals by... Lights, lights, potentially. You still need observers, though. No, I accept that. You still and need observers. You still need safety. And if you have fewer marshals, mm-hmm. then when someone goes off the track, you have to dispatch people to recover them from further away, which takes longer. So you end up with long races or long periods of racing behind the safety car or even under red flag conditions. Well, and they that can, they can possibly strip, they can isn't what people want. They can strip the press and the broadcast out and just have the... As MotoGP have been talking about, no press, no PR, no hospitality. Um, As NASCAR were talking about as well. They're going to have a maximum number of people per per bike. NASCAR said that they would allow one photographer from, uh, I think, Reuters um, and one uh, TV crew in the pit lane. Yeah, Um, and you do... uh, um, uh, you do it. What, what's the remote? Um, no. What, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for when one uh, provider gives oh, the pool. fee to everybody? No, that wasn't what I was thinking about. But yes, that's the idea. Um, it's gone out of my head. Don't worry. Um, uh, no one di- else needs to be at this circuit because you see uh, now in motorsport that most of the production is done away from the oh, actual circuit. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. see this in IndyCar, you see this in IMSA. NASCAR, you see it with IMSA, um, and uh, a lot of Formula One isn't done at the circuit. The onboards are put in um, at Biggin Hill, the uh, replays are put in at Biggin Hill, the graphics are done at Biggin Hill. Yep. Um, so you've got very few people on site uh, to make television these days anyway. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, Dave Alcock says, I have a recollection Donington Park had to have an extension to make the minimum lack requirement when it hosted the European Grand Prix a few years ago. That's the long U behind the pits, of course. Uh, sadly, says Kevin, I don't think we'll see any races even behind closed doors. I think we will, because I think um, they need it. Uh, they need to uh, get the, the money. Uh, two races, says Jeff, could be run at the same time at Silverstone, of course. Team leaders on the international circuit, <laughs> second drivers on the national circuit. I think that's a fabulous idea. I think that's a great idea as well, and uh, I'm sure if Silverstone got higher fees for both, then uh, they'd consider that. Uh, let's take a look at a potential Formula 1 calendar then. So we're starting in Austria right. on the date that Austria was going to have, and then uh-huh. we go to Silverstone on the date that Silverstone was going to have. Which is what? Which was the July twelfth of July? Or was it the nineteenth? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, it's nineteenth. I think nineteenth of July. 
And then we stay at Silverstone the following weekend for a different layout. And then well, we st- what other layout? Let me funny. But what other layout could they have? Because I don't. There is. Is there another version of the modern layout? Because the international circuit would be long enough either. Yeah, I, I, but I, if, I, if they I, don't care about length, the international yeah. circuit is longer than the national circuit by a quarter of a mile. Miles, isn't it? It, it's over two miles, which I think is probably a, a reasonable uh, measurement of. A lap. There was talk about them running it in reverse, but I don't think I, I think that would take too much safety upgrades to do that because the ed, the ends of barriers and things like that are in in the wrong place. Yes, I, I think that's not going to happen. But three consecutive weekends at Silverstone with different layouts. Right. No, they won't run three at Silverstone. They might run two. They won't run three. And then where do we go after that? Before. Immediately to Portimao no, in I think August. Portimao, I think Portimao's later in the season. Because Portimao's going to be very hot at the start of August. Hungary, I don't think... The next race would normally be... Is it Hungary? Russia? Where have we got? Well, got well, Russia, Germany, Hungary. which isn't happening. No. And it wasn't on the calendar anyway. So, Hungary. Yeah, that's... that's they're, they're not... I don't know where they are, but they obviously got... Um, they've gone quite nationalistic. So, they let they want the people coming in. I don't know. Somebody's uh, just asked, that is the... Uh, is the Red Bull ring a grade one circuit uh, if it's run in reverse? No. Uh, and and uh, Johannes Gragliga says it's Chukrik Eins Erdog, which is grade one backwards, obviously. Very good. Um, yeah, so, backwards. Very so, good. Yeah, the next race is Hungary, and I don't think Hungary will run behind closed doors. And you've got Spa, which isn't allowed we, to we run on the weekend. Spa is not, not allowed to have mass gatherings. Then you've got Monza, which is you know, in the middle of the epicenter. Anywhere in Scandawija that's grade one? No. Yeah, there's a Kimi ring. Is that grade one? I only say, but, I, but it's, it's unlikely, though. Um, so that's the end of Europe. So you would want to go to Portimao or Estoril or off to Barcelona. Could we, could, we go, could we go to Paul Ricard? Oh, you could have 27 yeah. different layouts at Paul Ricard. No, but France is, France is frozen till 31st of August as well, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe we need to have a mid-season break well, <laughs> in August. If you went, if you went Red Bull, um, Silverstone, you could go Red Bull, no, you could go Red Bull, Red Bull, Silverstone, Silverstone. Yes. You could go Red Bull, Red Bull, Silverstone, Silverstone, then go down to Portimao and you're on five. Then you have to go. Then you could go to Sochi. You miss Singapore because Singapore's having a nightmare at the moment with 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 COVID. Yeah, good point. You go to Singapore. Um, so you go to Russia, which is six. Then you have US. If COVID still hasn't gone bust, no, no not You've US. Mexico, Brazil, no, and Abu Dhabi. No, no. no, I don't think you're going to see. You're not Me- going to see Brazil. Mexico isn't out of the question. I think you need to do a triple arc, and I know it's politically difficult, a triple arc in the Middle East where you go Bahrain, uh, Yas Marina, and um, Lausanne. What about Dubai? Uh, Dubai is, the, the, it, much as I, I personally love Dubai, it is the least good of the four circuits as far as, but it is, of course, the least politically difficult going to Lausanne is an issue with the other two, of course. Yes, and it is you there. Could, you could go Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Bahrain in three yes. weeks because you're going to move the things an hour up the road from one to the other then stick on a plane across the, I mean the, that would make a lot of sense also running into December and I'm pretty sure that's something that I'm absolutely certain that Yasmin and, and Bahrain run back to back I'm not sure which order they'll run but they'll definitely run back to back 
because Bayern was prepared to run behind closed doors anyway. And there's a new circuit that's been built in Saudi Arabia, isn't there? Yes. Is that is that licensed yet? I'm not sure if it's finished. Anyway, so, so Suzuka is, 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 is questionable as well, but it might be possible in its late date in October. Yeah, it's just whether whether you have Kota and whether you have um, Brazil. The other place, apparently, which is obviously got Grade One, which I didn't realise, is, is the the old Valencia circuit's got Grade One. Tom Firth said, if they started F1 races from the old pits again at Silverstone, would that be technically a different layout? Yes, yes, it would. Yes, Very it would. Good, excellent. I'm not sure everyone would be particularly keen about being in the wing and then packing up, and moving to. Uh, the heritage pits for the following weekend. True, they might see that as a waste of their time. Give them. So yes, we to. have. You know, then there's still possibilities at Monza in you know in September. I mean, obviously Italy's the epicenter, but they are a long, a further way away, and so there's a possibility by then it will be possible to happen. Well, Brody says, will we not see some Asian races? I being the idea that the outbreak started there, so surely that should free up there first. We'll, well, have, we'll got, have a chat with Alex Shibo actually got, in the second half of the programme, see yeah, what's happening in, in Singapore, China. which is the obvious one, though it's a very expensive one to put on being a street circuit, that, that Singapore have got a problem, well, possibly. But don't forget that 80 miles Malaysia. up the road, Singapore is Sepang. Yeah. Apparently Sepang, there's been a bit of, there's a bit of, apparently there's been a bad blood between Sepang and F1, but I reckon that will last about two seconds if they can get a race on. Thailand? Um... Burinam, not sure. Eve Hewitt uh, and I were talking about this today and she's just posted this actually at Speculatement. She said, I did see a post from a race team member, genuinely this as well, this isn't hearsay, that they had already decided that they were going to knock everything on their head for this season because uh, their insurance have told them they will not cover them even if they go racing behind closed doors. What, for COVID or anything? For co- Well, for... It, 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 they would be the, their insurance co- have told them that unless all sanctions are lifted, that they won't they won't cover them. Well, that's not very helpful, is it? But I tell you what, that, that that won't be an issue for F1. That'll be an issue for other races. F1's got enough cash that they would literally just go and go to some insurance company and go, "You're now you're now backing us." The insurance company go, "All right, thanks for the premium." People in the insurance industry who also have connections to motorsport. Exactly. But the other thing, so just, just one thing we haven't talked about in all of this, and I know we talked about a number of series, um, but we have talked about F2 and F3, Good point. which are the key feeder series and, and define what really happens you know, moving forward. Um, and I was thinking about this actually earlier about, about this. It, 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 it seems to be very, very likely that there's going to be actually not much movement in the driver trade this year. I and mean, we'll probably start with most of the same 20 drivers we finished, we started this year with, just because you're not, you're not going to learn anything about these junior guys because they're not going to race. Then No one's going to rush and try and put, you know, no one's going to want to put F2 on on the same weekends as F1 in a cl- behind closed doors event. No, absolutely. You know, the chance of F2 or F3 getting any sort of season is, I would say, zero. Well, I think that's the same for quite a lot of support categories. Matthew Hyman? I think you can say it's about any international championship except for Formula One. Yeah, I agree. Anything that has drivers from more than one country. Yeah, Matthew Hyman said if F113 races in the UK is behind closed doors, how far is Donington away from Grade 1? A Uh, long way. Long way. 
with millions of pounds of renovation that need to be done there. Let's, let's, get, Nicola, let's, let's get Nicola Forston to uh, upgrade Brian's hatch again. Uh, You'd have to get the steps taken out of the pit lane to start with. That's true. Alan Prosser says, is Ordosh a grade one circuit? Grade two. Mm. Uh, could possibly be. Le Mans Bugatti circuit? Le Mans Bugatti yes. is uh, no, a possibility, except it's thing. in France and the French won't allow anything to happen. Let's have your uh, thoughts, please, on this. Which tracks do you think we could get to in yeah, Aragon? One. Aragon, yes, is great one. That. Yeah. Great. At Spec uh, Nick, don't go too far away. We'll have a bit more from I've you. Got, I've got one more thing from now. Right, okay, do it quickly. We're well over time quick. on this. Yes. Uh, who is the laziest Formula One driver of all time? Eddie Irvine. I knew that without the, without the article coming out today. <laughs> <laughs> however however he's not he's he did do it the right way because he had a fantastic time he got a shed load of money and he's now richer than the fish in his property investments in miami so i'm not gonna have a go at eddie no, absolutely he's, he's done very well out of uh, uh what he did uh being the second fastest or second best formula one driver uh for many years not really but in his mind well, only schumacher was better well, apart from Nick Asala for the two races he took over from him. <laughs> uh, Nick will be back later on. You're listening to Midweek Motorsports Series 16, uh, uh, Series 15 episode at 16. 16. Lots to come in the second half of the programme, including our big interview. We'll have Sam Bird as well. And we're going to have Declan Brennan, just had it confirmed from Boston. Declan will be talking the business of motorsport uh, in the uh, second half of tonight's program coming up next well we have a couple of winners from the dnls at the weekend argentina and uh bilbao is where we're going in a few moments time after we've heard from creelsey about tomorrow night show it's a bumper on the grid this week with some actual real world racing news to discuss plus that of an e-series variety too Supercar star Todd Hazelwood is on the show. So too is the boss of Winton Raceway and Wakefield Park to talk about how permanent racetracks in Australia are dealing with the coronavirus shutdown. Then we discuss how Supercar's major sponsor Virgin Australia going into voluntary administration will affect the championship. Plus all the usual banter in a super-sized edition of the show. What else have we got to do? It's on the grid, 9pm UK time, Thursday nights on RS1. It was another round of the digital NLS powered by VCO at the weekend. And what a cracker of a race it was for Bruce Jones and me to call. And uh, we have our VCO Victory Circle uh, interviews coming up. Congratulations to the Marla Racing team. In a moment, we'll talk to Alex Arena. Uh, but before that... Hello to Augustine Canapino. Hello, Augustine. Hello, hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us from Argentina. Of course, I know your name already because of your driving in IMSA for Juncos Racing in the in the Cadillac. Uh, what I didn't know, that you'd already done a bit of sim racing in your earlier days as well as being a TC champion in in Argentina. Uh, how was how was the race at the weekend? How was qualifying? Very much pressure. Lots of pressure in qualifying. Only one lap. Yes, yes. Very, very good qualifying this time. Uh, I I had a lot of practice with with Alex um, in this very, very difficult uh, circuit. 
for me uh, is the first races in North Life, and um, I need more practice for for 24 hours. And the race uh, the last weekend is very very difficult because the level is is high. Uh, the the level of the of the com of the competition is very very high and um well uh, the race is very good we have um, a good pace and uh, we had a, a good uh, victory in the in the last weekend uh, you say you need more practice augustine but you put it on pole position for goodness sake so you've clearly got the hang of it very quickly yes yes but this is, is because the setup of the William Saudi is very, very good. Um, my teammates uh, go very fast in the circuit and uh, they help me a lot. And I think this is the the more help uh, I I have uh, because Alex is in North Life very, very fast. Now, it didn't go to plan. I think it's fair to say, after the start of the race, you had uh, an accident with Philip Eng. What happened? Yes, uh, in Mutkur, no? Yes, Mutkur. Uh, Philip put me into the corner. I think uh, it's racing, it can happen. And uh, we need to change the strategy. Uh, we we change the strategy for an early first stop. And later, uh, Alex pushed very hard in the two next stints. And when I I took the the wheel again, I can uh, go into to the end without problems and win the race because BS uh, uh, had a, a penalty. Let's bring in Alex Arena, uh, who took over a little bit earlier than you were expecting Alex did I mean you have to change strategy sometimes but that was a, a very bad start to the race for the for you guys when you took the car over from Augustine did you did you think that's it our chances of a good finish are over no 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 I never thought that we the race will will be over you need to always keep the head down and I go to the finish because you will never Never expect what happens around this track because it's so complex. So everyone can make a small mistake and then he race into the wall. So we have our, our head down and just going as quick as we can with the damaged car. And that was all, I think. How much of the damage did you decide to fix after that first pit stop? Or did you just leave the damage as it was? No, you just... Uh, had the damage that we have because if you do a fast repair you have a five minutes penalty so we didn't want to penalty five minutes because the race is over if you take that and what did you do with your tire strategy then did you have to change that as well or just the order in which you drove no, I used, you, 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 we used to have to change four tires every stop because of the regulation it was clear that we have to change eight, uh, four tires in each stop, so that was clear for everyone because uh, rules were clear about that. Now you've had a really great start of the season with the Marla Racing team uh, on the podium on each of the three rounds for so, so far. Your teammate Augustine hadn't driven very much around the Nordschleifer on Sim before. He's picked this up pretty quickly. 
Yeah, he never knows the, the circuit because he was totally new for him. So he used to learn the track in about one week or so and he saw a very great pace in my opinion because I am very experienced around this track and I can track every driver about how good is his pace or not and to be honest I'm really surprised how he did is a monster. <laughs> A monster. You're a monster, Augustine. A monster is what your teammate says. Thank, thanks. He's my friend. <laughs> it's clear that you two have a very good relationship, and that's important in any form of motor racing. Um, I've seen it in the paddocks of IMSA and the WEC uh, and, and around the world. How much more difficult, Augustine, is it when you are so far apart Alex is in Bilbao, you're in Argentina, so yes, you can talk like you are now, but it's not as if you can be together. Ah, it's, it's difficult, it's difficult. The, the relationship in the motorsport is very difficult because the the sport is very, very competitive, very competitive, and it's, it's difficult to uh, make a, a, a good relationship with a teammate but with Alex, uh, the first of all is, is the is the relationship. The, he's my friend. I'm we we share a very good moments and we're really happy uh, doing uh, doing this. And I think this is the most important in this in this sport. Are you able to enjoy racing at the Nordschleife yet? Because it's such a complicated uh, track. Uh, in this moment, yes, but in the first moment, no. <laughs> in the first moment, I it's really hard and I'm suffering a lot. Uh, but in this moment now, uh, I'm starting to to enjoy the the track. If there was only one track left in the world, I think we'd all choose the Nurburgring Nordschleife to race on. I'm not sure you ever get a truly perfect lap there. Alex, yeah. uh, bring you, let's bring you back to the race at the weekend. You handed the car over. You did the double stint in the middle. You handed the car back to Augustine, and you were in with a chance. When did you know you'd won the race? I mean, you came across the line in second. Of course, uh, we know what happened. There was not a full tyre change from BS. That's why they got the, the, the time penalty. When did you know that? Only when we did, after the race? Yes, because the situation was pretty unclear. And I just realized that we won when I just entered on the interview and I just asked to the interviewer if we won or not. And he just confirmed us that we we just win. <laughs> so it was a, a very anxious moment, you know, when you are waiting for the official confirmation. But that's part of the racing and we like it also. Clearly, both of you very happy with winning. But Alex, would you, would you have been satisfied with second position given the such a bad race that that Augustine have when when Eng took him off to be honest uh, finish on the podium on this track always is a good moment because as we said it's a very complex scenario that we just can crash the car in a split of a second so every podium just feels great Augustine it's the 24 hours this weekend uh, are you ready for it and have you done some darkness running on the Nordschleife? Uh, uh, yes, I'm ready, but uh, in this week, I I will practice a lot on the night because it's very, very di- different, very, very difficult. 
uh, it's very difficult to see the reference, the the break reference, the the different parts of the track in the dark, and I need practice. But I think I I will ready uh, for the uh, for the end of the week. I'm ready for the 24 hours. Are we going to see you back in IMSA competition anytime soon? Once we get back to green flag. Uh, I hope, I hope, but uh, I don't know in this moment. This moment, uh, the motorsport in all the world is is, is stop, and uh, in the Argentina is the same situation. And, and I don't know uh, what uh, what happened in the future. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed, Alex. Last word goes to you. Season's looking pretty good. At the moment, you're leading the Marla race team, leading the championship in S- SP9. A big race at the weekend is the 24-hour race. How do you approach that then in the sim world? Is it the same way as people would do in the real world? Just lots of practice and make sure you get plenty of sleep? Yeah, for sure. For me, it's like the real world. You need to work really hard on the car, on the setup of the car, on the driving and everything. So for me, it's like real life. I approach it like real life. So it's uh, work hard and play hard. (laughs) It's like that. Guys, thanks again for joining us on Midweek Motorsports. Uh, Have a great season. Enjoy the racing at the weekend. Uh, Stay at home and stay safe, won't you? Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having us and a big, uh, a big thank you to all the team from Williams Sports for all the work they are doing for for being at the top and winning races. Thanks. Same for me. It's, it's the same. Uh, thanks for the interview. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Have a good weekend. Uh, Nick Dearman is still with us. Hello. I hope. Hello. We just can't get rid of him. No, well, we could, but we don't want to. Uh, That's the endurance race at the weekend. Uh, Alex Arenas there, who was uh, the, the chap who was in, in Bilbao, and thanks uh, to VCO again for uh, getting uh, the boys on for us from two very different places, really stretching the technology tonight. Uh, he has an eye racing, road racing rating of mm. over 9,000. There's a nine on the first number of my rating as well. Really? It's 90. Yeah. 900. Not, 970 something. Ah, you're yeah. doing good. You're doing good. No, no, no. I a couple of bad races. I was just saying the endurance race, isn't you? Me, myself, Joe, and a couple of friends did a 12-hour race um, at Silverstone the weekend in a terrible version of a, what was supposed to be quite a good car, the Porsche Cayman GT4. And due to services, I ended up doing a two-hour, 20-minute stint. I literally, I've, I was sweating as much as doing them in a car. It's amazing. The concentration, the, it is amazing when you're actually competing in front of, you know, represent your friends. It's, it's far worse than doing it for yourself. Um, before we leave DNLS and the 24 hours, already... Uh, right turn lover asking, oh, oh, are we going to have some coverage then? We are <laughs> going to have some coverage. Uh, Eve has been working hard on it today to see if we can get some partners uh, across uh, to it. Uh, the race is green flag at, what did we say, Tim? Two o'clock British summer time. Yes, um, at there's the a, moment. There is a, 
there is a qualifying race on Friday, so I don't think there's any qualifying before that. We'll have more news on that tomorrow, so keep your eyes on at Radio Le Mans and at RSL underscore studio. But put aside some time for the weekend, sound and vision uh, with at least some of the 24 hours being covered by Radio Show Limited. So we might need you at the weekend, uh, Nick, if you don't mind. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, Joe's racing. I, 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 I've, I've ducked out of that one. I put Lurie the Nürburgring in two days. No. I could, <laughs> I could have helped you there. Before we move away from uh, the iRacing, we did have a cracking interest. Oh, brilliant. The, it's it's Sorry, nearly a week old, so I apologise <laughs> for talking about it. It's nearly a week old. But we didn't get a full chance to do a Michelin post-race tech there. Uh, you, me and, and Ben Constant Juris. Uh, and the, the big addition to that, which I really thought was interesting, and we covered it in our Porsche case, the race during the Michelin countdown to grain, didn't we? Uh, was the competition yellow, which we've never had in the real world before in IMSA. And it's not happened in their iRacing world either, but it really dragged everything together towards the end of the race. Yeah, I mean, it was it worked brilliantly. I mean, there was a huge whilst people you just read the result. Oh, Bruno Spengler won again. You go, no, but that wasn't the race at all. We had you know we had the early lead in the, by the by the uh, the four. We had the comeback with Shane Van Gisberg, and which you said one of the key things was that the race had enough abrasion that suddenly tire strategy came in, and the bat yes. and the last ten laps of the race were just fantastic. And we had you know action. We had incident. We had accident. We had strange things happening. It was a really, really, really good 90 minutes of racing. It doesn't matter whether it was virtual, real, or you know, covered in cheese. It was fantastic. Um, uh, they covered in cheese races later on <laughs> in the uh, season. John Doonan joining the broadcast and telling us about uh, Mid-Ohio VIR and Watkins Glen still to come. Mitchell and jumping in as well from the real world. What really frustrated me, though, I'm, I'm not sure the Geese could have won um, in... Uh, if he had got back to Spengler, but he never got a chance because Jeff Siegel didn't have any wing mirrors. No, well, you, again, you don't need wing mirrors. You get a flag at the top left-hand corner of your screen. Mm. You know there's someone behind you. When they get one and a half seconds behind you, you get a flag. Now, you can choose when or, you know, and you have a, you have a, a little display in your bottom right-hand side, which tells you all the gaps behind you and ahead of you. And it's not designed to help you race. It's designed so you know where you are in relation to everyone else. I, I had a long chat with the guys at iRacing uh, last week, both before and after the event. And I like the fact that IMSA are using the virtual world to try different things out. I'm, I'm not saying we, we asked John at the end of the show uh, whether they might try competition yellows in IMSA. He skillfully deflected that. <laughs> but, but, in, but in the virtual world, you might as well try it and see what it looks like, see what the fan response is like, see what the team response is like. We know that Jeff Braun, who was uh, race engineering for his son, Colin, uh, there, once they found out there was a competition yellow, they had a completely different strategy to everybody else. And considering they qualified quite far down, they were just outside the top 10. So, uh, you know, it did provide some talking points. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, obviously you're working with a 90 minute window rather than normal two hours and three quarters. So it, it does condense everything down. And I'd be interested to see, you know, I know it's not going to happen in this series, but I'm sure we all believe that virtual racing will help fill the gap. Um, in normal seasons during the off season, I'm sure it's when we'll see these 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 the virtual racing you know have major events again, and perhaps a slightly longer race is also something we should try at some point. By the way, um, I have now tried Mid Ohio in a BMW M8 GTE. Mm-hmm. 
Limey. <laughs> Limey Charlie. Limey Charlie, yeah. Is that the is that the official uh, the official way to, to talk through that? Is it? Well, one thing I would say: the BMW M8 has virtually no visibility, as far as I can see. So I can. So, so I'm well done for Bruno Green two racing because he's obviously by feel because I can't see out the window. But you know you can you can move, yeah, you can move, you move seat, yourself yeah. up and down and in and out. Yeah, well, I, yeah I, you I just need a, a booster seat, don't you? And uh, no deboosting. Ah, uh, you're too tall. Thinking, a sinking seat. Uh, so Dirty Uncle Kevin said, I'd, uh, if IMSA adds competition yellows, I'll never watch another second of their series again. Fair enough. And I, I understand no, no. That, that feeling as well. Uh, in fair, in fair, I, I know it's, it's, you know, it's an anathema to me uh, in terms of, of racing. But as I said, you can only find these things out if you actually have a, a look at them in an environment where you're not upsetting somebody's season and doing it in the iRacing world. My point that I was going to make was talking to the guys at iRacing um, and IMSA, we've had a couple of suggestions about what we could do to change around how things happened, including qualifying races, including split races with a smaller field of cars than the 50, but having at least 50. We had 80 entries for that race last week. So, you know, there's plenty of room to have a qualifying race, see some of the guys get onto the back of the air main, as it were, as we would see in RC racing and karting. Yeah, yeah no, I think, again, having Blimey Charlie around mid-Ohio, 50 cars around there is going to be interesting, I can tell you. Um, actually, I was watching, I actually did, I've done some research, I was watching some of last year's race and the real thing looked blimey impressive as well. Um, yeah, I'm I mean, interested, do you know what the uh, limit on the number of cars is at uh, mid-Ohio in real life? I think it's 40. That would sound about right. I think it's 40 in mixed class racing. I don't know. I think it's more than that in single category racing because they used to have the SCCA runoffs there and ran very big fields. And of course, the GT Le Mans. Yes, but a lot of that was in group sport, though, wasn't it? So mm. there were big fields, but there were also fields which were split into two or yes. often more. Yes, we did almost have multi-class racing because of the the difference between the front and the back. Um, Nick Tandy tried the uh, a, a tricky strategy, didn't work for him. It actually, it might have worked for him, but we didn't find out because he put himself so far down the pack by taking the second set of tyres that he was embroiled in an accident. Off. Yes, yeah. he was in, involved in someone else's uh, accident. I, I'm enjoying it. If I'm honest, I really am enjoying it. Uh, I got completely immersed in it on Wednesday. I did in the same way for the three-hour race at the Nordschleife that we heard the VCO uh, Motorsport Victory Lane interviews with uh, Augustin Canapino and Alex Arenas uh, just a, a little while ago and um, it's you know it, it it keeps us sharp doesn't it yeah it's great I'm really, I think that I, this certainly last week last week's race was great and hopefully we'll get I'm sure we'll get something equally spectacular at mid-Ohio because I can't see it not being instant packed well, yeah, and I do wonder what other little strategy calls might be thrown into that because, as I say, we've been discussing one or two things. Have you got anything else for Nick before we let him go or do you want him back in hour two? We or? need to bring him back in hour two because we haven't done any motorbikes yet, so we'll have to uh, do that uh, a little later on in the show. All right, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport RS1 Wednesday night, every Wednesday, 8 o'clock UK, and we've reached half distance. Would you like to hear some of my experimental avant-garde poetry? No? Okay then. It's Midweek Motorsport and still to come. Oh, I haven't heard that one for a while. 
Uh, right, Nick will be back in the second half of tonight's show uh, with some more news. We've got Declan Bennett joining us to talk about the business of motorsport. Also, Sam Bird on running for the NHS and the looming spectre of fixture congestion towards the back end of the year. And your tweets, please, at Specutainment. Coming up next, it's our big interview with the head of Porsche Asia, Porsche Motorsport, Asia Pacific. It's all in hour two of Midweek Motorsport. Well, over the last few weeks on Midweek Motorsport, we've been talking to a number of head of series and asking them about what's going on in their part of the motorsport world. And we'll continue that on this week's big interview with the head of Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific. Alex Gibault joins us on the line now. First of all, welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. And how are you and how are the team? Well, thank you, John, for inviting me. Uh, I feel uh, very privileged and honored to uh, to be able to to talk to you today and to uh, to the plan uh, today for to Radio Le Mans. I feel uh, I feel pretty good uh, and pretty safe at the moment. Uh, I hope it's the same for you and for all the people who are listening to us. Uh, we are all back to Shanghai now, uh, back to uh, almost uh, normal life. Uh, we are operating from the Porsche uh, China headquarters here in Shanghai, and uh, all our colleagues are, are back um, in uh, in the office. Uh, obviously, we have uh, also to adapt uh, our lifestyle uh, a little bit. Like uh, you know, the the way you can access the the office building is um, is pretty much uh, restricted. You need to go for temperature screening and registration. But uh, I have to say, it's pretty pretty well organized here in. in um, in Shanghai, so uh, yeah, we we restart our activities um, uh, also for the road car. You know, uh, for the road car in China, China is the is the biggest market for the Porsche uh, uh, for Porsche road car business, and we almost reopen all our dealership, and uh, and we can feel that the the economy is uh, is ramping up in China. So it's very encouraging signs and uh, and hopefully it's going to be the same uh, soon for for europe and uh, and us yeah before we get on to motorsport you mentioned the road cars there when i was working over in china for the wec and talking to people about porsche i found it interesting porsche is seen as an suv manufacturer who also builds sports cars it's kind of turned around in terms of the attitude towards porsche uh, than what than what we have here back in europe yeah, it's a completely different world. Um, as you can see, as you can uh, when you, when you come to China, it's a completely different world. Uh, we have a product mix on the road car, uh, which is very unique. Uh, we have forty uh, percent of uh, uh, of Macan, forty uh, percent of Cayenne, ten uh, percent of uh, Panamera, uh, which uh, doesn't give uh, so much room for what we call here the two-door sports car, which is the seven eighteen and our iconic nine eleven. Selling 10% of uh, two-door sports car here, uh, but that's why also we have, uh, you know, the, the the power of the of the Chinese market. I mean, of of, of Porsche China headquarters here um, to back uh, also the you know all the motorsport uh, action we can have, and 
and uh, we are, we 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 talk quite often about the the culture, the sports car culture, the cultivation of the sports car culture, and for us it's it's very important here because, as you say, we don't want to be seen only as the uh, you know, as the Cayenne maker, uh, but uh, we are a sports car brand, and uh, obviously, where sports car brand is also doing SUV, but uh, but not the other way around. And uh, and uh, every Porsche is a sports car, even if it's a Cayenne, Macan, or or today uh, with the with the Taycan. But uh, obviously, our, our DNA is is still the the 911, and uh, and uh, and racing and motorsport is where we belong. Yeah, in that endeavour. Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific was launched actually not that long ago, back in 2017 in April at the Shanghai Auto Show. What was what was the thinking behind that, Alex? What, if you like, was the, the mission statement, if you will, for, for Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific from 2017 onwards? Uh, it was exactly three years ago. It was the 21st of April 2017. Uh, I still remember precisely this moment. It was a very, very important moment, a uh, special one for me. I was uh, next to uh, uh, Earl Bamber, who, is also, uh, very, uh, who belongs also to Asia. I was uh, with uh, uh, Jack Hicks, also was there for the launch. And uh, we are also with Uwe Brettel, the former director of motorsport sales uh, of Porsche Motorsport. And, um, and uh, clearly, the, uh, we were in the Shanghai Auto Show and, and the mission, we... Uh, we um, we had uh, for for this uh, regional office was to become the the hub uh, in the region for for the Asian Pacific region for for Porsche Motorsport, uh, getting closer to our customer. We we felt that there was um, you know a growing market uh, as we can see also for for the road car and there was already an existing uh, strong. Uh, backbone activity here with the with the Porsche Carcapasia that we launched in 2003, uh, but in two, back in 2015-16 we um, we felt that it was the right moment uh, to go uh, to go further and to give the the possibility to all our customers to have the all the GT range uh, available coming from uh, GT3, uh, GT4, and all the other products. Uh, so the main mission was getting closer from our customer, bringing more services uh, locally uh, and become the hub also for, for all the motorsport activity for Porsche in, in the region. I, I take it you are the head of a team of many people, Alex, or are you doing this uh, very much with a, a small but dedicated team? No, no, I mean, we have a, we have a great team, a uh, very great team here locally, um, which is very international. Uh, we have people coming from, from China. We have people coming from UK, from Malaysia, from Germany in the team. And, and it's, uh, it's, uh, no, it's a great team of, uh, of around uh, 10 people to, uh, uh, to organize and to operate uh, everything. Uh, obviously, as a regional office, we also have uh, uh, on a daily basis, you know, contact and support from our colleague back in, uh, uh, back in Weissa in, in Germany. We um, we achieved uh, we had quite some good achievements uh, in a very short time in three years, uh, but it's it's definitely a, a team achievement, you know, uh, with the people working here and the, and the people working uh, back in Vaisa. So um, yeah, this is uh, I think what we can uh, um, uh, take take away from these three years. 2019 last year was uh, very important for Porsche. Uh, generally, but particularly for Porsche Motorsport in Asia Pacific, a couple of new models aimed at 
gentleman drivers, the bronze grade drivers. That's where I would fit with my international FIA license. To be fair, you had a very good 2019 as well in terms of victories in the Bathurst 12 hours with Earl Bamba Motorsport. A lot of emotion there. Craft Bamboo came third in the pro class uh, in its uh, international GTC debut and absolute racing finishing third at the Suzuka 10 hours uh, as well. I mean, this is fantastic news. You must be very proud. Yeah, I mean, honestly, 2019 was was amazing in many aspects. Uh, first of all, in terms of product, it was absolutely amazing, you know, to have the new Cayman uh, GT4 Club Sport coming. Uh, we had the 911 GT2 RS uh, Club Sport coming. The new 911 GT3R for the Open GT competition and the, the iconic uh, 935. So we were very lucky and very spoiled, you know, last year in terms of product, of, in terms of variety of products, in terms of quality of products. Uh, and from the sporting side also, it was just a thrilling year, you know. Um, we, uh, we had very good results in, uh, um, in what was called the Blancpain, uh, the Blancpain GT uh, Series Asia, which is now the GT World Challenge uh, Asia. We, we were the, the very first win worldwide of the new 911 GT3R. Uh, with absolute racing in, in Sepang last year. We had the team title, the Pro-Am uh, title. We missed the, the overall title for uh, very close. We had, the, as you said, a very emotional win of uh, Urban Motorsport in Batters. Uh, we had uh, also some uh, double podium in the Macau FIA GT World Cup. Yeah. There was many, many achievements, you know, in the in, in sporting side. We also had one uh, one car uh, supported by us in Le Mans 24 hours. Uh, we had also uh, two cars supported by us in Spa 24 hours. So it was, uh, you know, in a way, in every, uh, let's say, uh, every step of the pyramid, we were... Um, we had a good uh, we had a good presence you know yeah. uh, reinforcing the support for the, for the access level of, of motorsport with GT4 and, and GT2 uh, we had the launch of the sports cup here in in China um, you know for 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 the access level and and on top level uh, also international racing we were also present so it was it was a very very good year for us i, th- I think it was a pivotal year and uh, and to be honest, 2020 was looking even better uh, until we had the, the the current situation, especially in, uh, on the on the GT3 side. On um, you know we were expecting for the first race uh, more than 10 GT3R on the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, five cars already in the, five cars supported by us in in batters 12 hours. I mean the, the 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 year was starting pretty pretty good, and we were pretty much looking forward for the start of. Every competition on the um, on the open uh, GT, but also in, in one make in, in sports cups, and but now yes, I mean look, we have to uh, we have to be passionate, but for sure we are very much looking forward for the for the start of the season. Everybody that I've spoken to, Alex, is um, looking forward to getting back to racing. We can't wait for that green flag. Obviously, it has to be done when it is safe to do so. We can't be putting anybody at risk. But that's going to be at different times in different parts of the world. And just about everybody I've spoken to had said that national and regional championships may well be, almost certainly will be, the first things to get going again. So... 
What are you guys planning for when you get racing again? And more importantly, when do you think that in your part of the world, in the, the Asia-Pacific region with Porsche Motorsport, you are going to be racing again? And what are your customers telling you? Because that's the other thing that I know about Porsche. You talk to your customers an awful lot. And clearly, you're going to be guided by them to see if there is a, a willingness, a passion, a desire to get back on the track. I mean, clearly, the, as you said, I mean, uh, for us, the, the, the customer is the, is the key at, at Porsche Motorsport, and we are um, very, very often uh, in touch with them. Uh, we have a weekly meeting with our customer from, uh, from Caracas, but also the customer from the, from the GT side, uh, just to, to, to get some, some updates from them uh, wherever they are in, uh, in Asia-Pacific, uh, and then also to get some updates from us. And clearly, the, they are just uh, yeah. They are also uh, waiting, as you said. We we need to make sure that the environment is safe to restart. But I think also when you look on on the, on the, from the economic uh, perspective, uh, it's also vital, you know, for the for the team to to restart um, because uh, customer racing, you know, uh, they need to they need to run cars, they need to operate, um, they need to operate the championship to. To bring uh, to bring business and to and to survive and uh, and as much as we can uh, support our, our customer we will uh, we will help them you know uh, but uh, uh, now to tell you when we're gonna restart it's a, it's a very it's a very challenging question I think to be honest I think nobody has uh, today an answer you just have uh, today forecast uh, but the forecast of today is um, is uh, is just the truth today and and potentially next week or in two weeks. <laughs> The, the things will, will change completely. For the for the platforms we uh, we manage directly, like uh, for example the the Porsche Car Cup Asia, uh, we plan to have um, in the, in the best case to have a start in in Sepang in July. Um, you know there's a lot of things uh, centrally organized in this championship. It's uh, uh, so all the cars and all the materials, uh, everything is is now uh, based in in Malaysia. Uh, so we are waiting for the uh, for the for the travel ban to be lifted um, in uh, in Malaysia and uh, also uh, uh, the lockdown to be um, uh, to be stopped to to start the championship uh, because everything is there. We we need to to people we need the people to fly in. Uh, that's the that's the big challenge. Uh, so that's the plan for the for the Car Cup Asia for the Sports Cup China. Uh, it's a, it's a national platform. Uh, and we plan also to have um, our first event mid of July in uh, in Zhuhai in, in the south of China. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the plan we have currently now. But it's just a plan, and, and obviously we also need to have Plan B, Plan C. <laughs> uh, so this is where we are at the moment. This is where we stand. Yeah. Out of all the things, Alex, that you you you. you happy about it's been a a real success story Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific for all of the things we've talked about the growth of sport there you must be so so very very pleased though to see Asian teams on the world stage absolutely and uh, and as you said when we when we go to the top uh, to the top class international uh, GT racing uh, for us, we we feel very proud to have team uh, shining in the international uh, GT challenge like uh, Bathurst. You look and uh, the last two years we had the the win in 2019 with uh, with Earl uh, 
uh, with all Bomber Motorsport and um, uh, the pole position this year with uh, Matt Campbell and an absolute racing. Uh, we had a car in, in Le Mans last year. Um, we have a program also with a uh, with the Hong Kong customer, with KCMG, with well-known on the sports car uh, racing scene, uh, um, who is planning to uh, to do uh, the uh, Nurburgring uh, series and the 24 hours of Nurburgring. So yes, there's uh, more and more so uh, top Asian team going on the international scene, and <clears throat> and we have we have proved, I think, last year that we. That they they did a super good job and uh, and Le Mans uh, not in uh, not Le Mans 2020 but Le Mans 2021 uh, with the new 911 Arista we also we are also working to have a, a competitive uh, full Asian team full Asian attack uh, to Le Mans 24 hours uh, in a GTM class with the with the new 911 Arista. A very happy birthday. Uh, third birthday uh, there's still clearly a lot of work to be done particularly in picking up after the current situation but well done for what you and the team have achieved already for Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific Alex Shebo thank you very much for joining us on Midweek Motorsport stay safe and uh, let's hope we get back racing soon thank you thank you John thank you for invitation and stay safe everyone and uh, and looking forward for the start of racing season bye bye can I do something uh, a little bit uh I didn't even get to say bye-bye. He cut me off. Is he gone? He's gone. All right. Uh, uh, can I do something a little bit different? Go on, then. This is something that I've been thinking about for a while. Mm-hmm. If Joe Bradley ever became a regular feature on this uh, programme... I could retire. Well, he could pretend to be you, uh, but no. Right. Um, we ought to give him his own theme music. And what would that be? I'm thinking, what are his initials? JP. That's very good. That's Juliet Bravo, isn't it? It is. Juliet Bravo. And considering his previous... Exactly. Uh, I mean, I've known... You've, you've known uh, Joe for 50 years, and I've only known him for 10, but... It's only recently our first thought of the connection there. That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That uh, is what's so happening on Twitter? Uh, on Twitter, uh, at Spectatainment, lots of uh, s- suggestions for Formula One uh, to be going to park. It's, it's a bit like what Tom Aaron's been doing. F1 at Cadwell Park would be amazing, says uh, Jack Gabriel. Uh, ne- Neil Gardner, another vote for the Le Mans Bugatti circuit. Uh, Brody, now this is an interesting one. How about the Australian Grand Prix late in the year? It was formerly the end of the Formula One season, after all. Possibly. Temporary circuit, they're not going to build it again. Well, could go to the bend uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's class two, isn't it? Uh, Dave Ogog says, he's on the file course, he said, uh, I'm sure if it meant an extra race or two on the calendar, you could use multiple circuits at Le Mans at Sunok Tram Sport costs they would have to be flexible on circuit grading of course yeah all good a lot of people excited about the 24 hours from the Nürburgring at the weekend uh, I uh, the current list of the FIA site was upgraded uh, says Stephen Gardner for, for track grades uh, are in March wasn't it uh, Portimao now grade one as we spoke about a couple of Weeks ago, I think that's very. It was always a one. It only ever fell back to a one T, didn't it? At testing. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Which is, I think, if I'm right in saying, Tim, it's only a question of how much money you pay for your license. Absolutely. Isn't it? Yeah. I wonder if uh, there are special offers on uh, <laughs> licenses at the moment. Very good. Uh, and for everybody who may have lost the play button tonight, and clearly you've obviously had to find it again, uh, if you've got a pop-up blocker going, you'll have to whitelist uh, this the site to get it back up. There you go. Uh, as that fades into the distance, still to come, we've got Declan. Uh, Nick will be back as well. It is a well-known fact that racing drivers like to keep themselves fit. Indeed. And over the weekend, more than 50 members of the British Racing Drivers Club took part in a half marathon uh, in almost as many different places because apart from Robin Jordan Collard they're all running alone uh, now we don't have times for all of them uh, but the ones I do have no no don't 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 mention that we'll oh, do I that need to afterwards mention that. all right okay well I, I I'm going to ask the person in the interview um, ah, about who was fastest I see well maybe he knows something as I don't but of the ones who have published their times because some people didn't Alex Bundle uh, Max <laughs> Chilton uh, was fastest he did a 1 hour 32.14 mm. uh, pre-race favourite Ollie Jarvis was second with a 132.49 and uh, Johnny Molan was third with a 133.22 oh, well, that now of course Johnny is uh, now retired so he didn't actually run himself he got Bonamy Grimes to do it for him that's very funny I see what you I see what you did there. Uh, it was all put together by Sam Bird, Formula E and FIA WEC driver. I spoke to him earlier today and asked him how he'd come up with the idea to do a bit of running that was going to be of benefit to a very worthy charity. I've been doing a lot of running recently, John, because uh, I've let's face it, I've got the time currently, um, and I've been able to push myself to new uh, to new places with my running, which has been great in itself setting myself little goals and achieving them and getting quicker and faster and fitter but i thought to myself about two weeks ago two and a half weeks ago why not combine this with trying to raise money for the nhs surely we could get a little team together of drivers and raise the money for the nhs so i started calling people up and and calling around messaging my friends who are british racing drivers saying look i'm going to start this thing do you want in everybody of course said yes and what was a very small community of drivers became, I think, close to 50 drivers, plus you and Thomas, um, ex-Olympian athlete. Um, he came on board with us as well. But I was overwhelmed by the response of the other British drivers. They had no hesitation in coming on board. Um, every single driver who did the run donated. And then, of course, it kind of exploded offwards with social media. Everybody posted about it. Everybody used the same hashtag. Um, I set a what I thought was going to be a difficult target of £10,000 to raise. But we've we've ended up raising close to now £35,000. Wow! Which we're, we're all really chuffed about. You know, we, we did this over... We gave we gave everybody like a week's notice and some of these guys, the longest run they've done in the last two years is 5k. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody managed to finish this run. Um, and it wasn't a race. It's not like we were competing against each other. We just got it done. 
for the sake hang of the Hang on, Sam. Hang on. Hang on. You guys are racing drivers. And I know from talking to <laughs> Ollie Gavin about his running that, yes, it keeps him fit. He takes it really seriously. So you can't yeah. tell me that, you, that there was no looking at times and posting times <laughs> yeah, on the of website. Course. Of course there was. Yeah, of, of course. Of course there was. But the whole point, John, it, it wasn't a race. Of course everybody wanted to do the best they could of course but we had people that but are not runners there so it'd be unfair to to say that i was quicker than this or that um i do a lot of running so i was pushing there were people there that are not runners but they completed it they they got it done for the nhs and that was what was brilliant um we and, and we were talking about a half marathon distance here sam so it's not yeah, like exactly. running around the block as you said five kit even in my poorly state of health, I think I could run 5K, but but 13 miles is something a bit different, mate. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the, we had we, we had pictures on the group for WhatsApp um, later that evening with people with the most horrendous blisters. I mean, blisters that you couldn't even imagine. So um, I, was, I was so proud of everybody. And I couldn't have done this. I couldn't have set it up and, and done this without everybody else's support. Everybody jumped on board. Every single British racing driver um, jumped on board with this, ran with it, said, Sam, can you can you add this person to the group? They want to do it. This person wants to do it. And it made me so proud to be a British racing driver because we've got such a wonderful community of of people in the country that want to go racing and we'll all support each other in in a time of need and a time of crisis like what we've got right now. We have to say that all these half marathons took place under strict social distancing. Everybody who Absolutely. went, everybody out, went did out on, it their, on own. their own. Yeah, exactly. Everybody did it on their own. and Everybody that did it, did it in full health. So Good. there was no, obviously no strain on the National Health Service from our side. Um, and that was one thing that I was or we were very aware of that we absolutely in no way perform any stress on the NHS. So therefore, um, only fit and able people did it. Um, everybody said that they were fit and able to do it. Everybody completed it and everybody's fine. And everybody did it on their own. So ultimately, how many people went out there and ran it? I know Westy ran before he did the the digital uh, Nürburgring race. I think yeah. he ran before he actually raced. He took a later shift in the race than I was expecting. Uh, Mike Rockenfeller started. Uh, his, yeah, his Westy, race. Westy did it. Um, we had. It, it's. It'll be difficult for me to name every single driver. How but many? I mean, how we many had, went through? Do you think? I think it was forty-eight. What drivers? And wow. one and one obviously, ex Olympic runner. <laughs> so, I mean, we had we had myself. Paul Reese, Max Chilton, Harry Tinknell, Tom Ferrier, the boss of TF Motorsport, did it. Good for him. And Tom, Tom is not in racing driver shape. He's he's a team boss. He he doesn't need to run twenty one k, but he got it done. Um, and come on, tell tell tales. Who was the fastest? Who was the fastest? You really you really want to know? I do. Okay, I was the quickest. But, but, but it's not a race. Not... <laughs> no, but you see, when people say that to me, when people say, you know, we, we, when we're getting on bragging about something, when we're talking, well, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's in the broadcast world, whether it's when we're out carting, whether it, it doesn't matter what it is. And I always say, guys, it's not a race unless I get there first, in which case it was a race and I won. 
<laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was, I really hammered it to everybody. This is not a race because if it was, I don't think half the people would have no. come on board uh, un- because un- it's un- fun for everybody. Um, When's the money going to be handed over, and how are you going to how are you going to do that? We should mention, so, but that pretty much everybody was a BRDC member as well that uh, was on there as a driver, weren't they? Yeah, we got the BRDC involved because if it's British racing drivers, more than likely. 95% of them are going to be members or rising stars or superstars of the BRDC. Yeah. So why not get them involved? They've got, you know, five, 600 members who, some of which can, can contribute quite well. We had Eddie Jordan give uh, an amazing donation and send everybody a really inspiring video message from where he's <laughs> quarantining right now. We had, we had loads of members come on board and say how, how great this was. Um, so yeah, it was it was really nice to be able to get the Brilliant. the BRDC involved, and it made obvious sense. Uh, and so this money, um, where's it going to go? How's it going to be distributed? And, and so you know, who's going to pass it's it over? Going, well, it's going to the NHS clearly. Um, the page will close down, I think, Sunday evening or Monday morning, giving everybody the opportunity to get payday out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, on the 28th, 29th. Okay. So there might be a couple more final donations around... Is this open to the public, Sam, by the way? Is this a Just Giving yes. or something like yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. It's on Just Giving, yeah, absolutely. Right, so, so what do we need you, to look for? If you type in um, Sam's British Racing Drivers Half Marathon Challenge, you can uh, you can go on the Just Giving page. Um, yeah, and... Yeah, Don't that would be there. it. Would be amazing if uh, there's also uh, Autosport did a did a piece on it, and you can click on the link at the bottom of the the story, and cool. it's and it's there. It'd be amazing to get over forty grand, wouldn't it? I mean that 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 would be that I would mean, be nice. Well, we're already at three hundred and forty percent of what we wanted to achieve. I mean, it's no, let's face it; it's nothing like what uh, Major Tom did, but. Uh, we we really did do our best, and everybody in that group can now hold their heads up high and say, "You know what? In a in a time of crisis, we really put together a shift and we did our bit, and we did our bit for our magnificent national health service, who are really under the cosh at the moment." And totally agree. It's a tough time, and we all need to help them. So yeah, damn damn right, we we tried to do our best. Brilliant in- initiative, Sam. Listen, before I, I let you go, we've been talking over the last few weeks on midweek motorsport. Um, we still don't know when we're going back racing. Let's you know, let's put that out there straight away. Yeah. And as I always say when I'm talking to people, motor racing is a, a long way down a list of priorities when people are still losing their lives to a, a nasty disease. However, we have got to look forward and we've, we've got to be positive. It's easy to knock things all the time and criticise. We're yeah. trying to be positive and look forward to when we do get the green flag again. Inevitably, Sam... When that happens, we're going to have the mother and father of all logistic issues and calendar problems and fixture yeah. congestion. Now, it's it's good we've got you on this week because you've had to make some tough choices in recent times, even before this crisis, um, yeah. between your two chosen racing series, that being Formula E and the FIA World Endurance Championship. How do you even start making a value judgment between one or the other? It would is Is it... Is it too simplistic to say, well, I just picked the one that I got the much, most money out of? Um, yeah, it is too simplistic like that. However, there are contractual obligations as well for myself. 
um, currently formerly for me takes priority over world endurance championship right um that that's just how it rolls for me right now <laughs> i really hope that um gerard and pierre get together with alejandro and his team and can can escape too many clashes yeah really really hope that that can happen um, the, the recent news, Sam, that we had here on Midweek Motorsport when Gerard was on a couple of weeks ago, that the WEC going forward looks like it's going to, at least for the short to medium term, abandon the cross-calendar, uh, I call it a school year or a soccer year, uh, calendar that they've had which of course was pioneered by Formula E precisely to yeah. keep it away from other series is yeah. that going to help absolutely absolutely um I think the the super season calendar didn't uh didn't help with with Formula E however if we get back to a more conventional um kind of timetable for WEC then I think that will stand me in good stead and stand any Formula E driver that competes in both championships in good stead. I mean, I'm not the only one in this in this boat. I mean, it's it's myself, it's Andre, it's Antonio, Sebastian, um, Jev, potentially. Mm. There's a lot of us um, key players in both championships that it, it affects. And we want to be able to do both. Mm-hmm. I love my job in Formula E and I love my job in WEC. Um, and, uh, you know, sitting sitting in that Ferrari or sitting in whatever I'm in, in endurance racing is amazing. You know, you're in a car for two, three, four hours at a time. It might be getting dark. And there's no greater challenge. It's unbelievable, especially at Le Mans. However, my work at Formula E takes, does take priority. And I, I do love that as well. It, it's not, it's, it's a challenge. And presumably... That that would be on a driver by driver basis, and that's the way that that contracts are worded, and how negotiations have gone on when you've originally signed the contract. So every you've got there's no point in hide, hiding anything from somebody else who comes along later. You've got to be transparent with the, with a potential employer, don't you? Absolutely. Um, I joined Formula E before I joined the the World Endurance Championship family. Yeah, and because of that. It has always been a case of if there is a clash, then Formula E would <coughs> would have to take priority. Look at Nürburgring 2017 for me. I had to compete in uh, New York instead of going to Nürburgring for Ferrari. Um, it was actually a good thing I did because I won both races in New York. <laughs> but <laughs> but, um, but that, that's, a, that's a prime example. Um, but... I, I don't want clashes. Nobody wants clashes. It is going to be a really congested, difficult time for motorsport. And it's going to be a difficult, congested time for anybody involved in sport, whether Correct. that is motorsport, football, rugby, tennis. There's going to be a backlog of matches to get through. How we're going to do that is is up to the organisations, um, whether that's WEC, whether that's the FIA, whether that's uh, FIFA, whether that's the the, the tennis organisation, rugby organisation, yep. it's, it's going to be extremely difficult for everybody involved when it kickstarts. 
Uh, and um, by the way, we've got to fit the Olympics in in a year that nobody was expecting <laughs> it to be in. And, you know, it's not just for the athletes that that makes a difference. It's TV contracts and, and all that kind of thing uh, as well. I can see anybody who loves watching live sport on television, once we do get kicked off, there's going to be many, many... Uh, do you know what I said, Sam? I think we might have to start thinking about racing other times than weekends uh, because I don't think we'll get the TV time if we're not careful. No, I, I could... Uh... I could see that. Um, and, uh, and does it matter, Sam? It, it, uh, uh, the other big burning question, from a driver's point of view, does it matter if you're racing behind closed doors? I would, I would suggest, and I have suggested on this programme before, that if you're a football player playing in an empty Anfield uh, or any big stadium around the world, probably isn't a lot of fun. But the... The audience, the spectators at a motor race, whilst they're there and they enjoy it and they breathe in the atmosphere and they provide some of the atmosphere, it's perhaps not as essential. I'm, I don't set myself up here. Perhaps not as an essential part of the of the TV experience. Certainly, to have a live audience at a racetrack. No, for the TV experience, absolutely not. You don't need the fans there, um, so it can be done. Would I want to race in an environment where there are no fans? If I had to, of course, I'm going to. Um, and because when I put my helmet on and I get in my car, it's me and my machine and yeah. how fast I can get it around that track, no matter where I am in the world. Um, so I'm not thinking about the fans. However, let's face it, you're on the start line at Le Mans and you've got that hour and a half before the oh. race and you're standing around and all you can see is a sea of people go up to the Dunlop chicane. It puts hairs on the back of my neck now even thinking about yeah. it. That's how much emotion and, and, and adrenaline I get from that, from the people. Would I want to do a Le Mans where there's nobody? You're not going to have that same passion, no. John. And that's that's something that is very difficult to replicate. It, it's because of the people that it makes it that amazing. It's it's because of the fans. There's an emotional component there, isn't there? Yeah, what's absolutely. what's Formula E going to do, Sam? Serious question. You know, the, the big selling point of Formula E is that it takes motor racing to an urban environment that yep. um, you know hasn't been done on a large scale uh, with internal combustion <laughs> engines for, for very many, many years. Um, yeah. in, in terms of social distancing, that does cause a problem for Formula E. I, I mean, the cost of just putting the circuits together is, is also, you know, that, that is something that has to be met, met as well. But if, you know, if that model is to be retained, can it be retained in the short term or can I you think, see yourself racing on track? I think it tracks? can be, let's see, I think it can be retained. I really do. And I have to say, John, Formula really so far, I've got everything, everything spot on yeah. with, with their planning from day one to now. Look at how the championship has progressed and gone. They've made all the right choices at the right times. I believe that they're, they're called to suspend the championship. We were one of the pioneers to get that done. We were one of the first to stop. Um, Formula has made all the right calls at the right times. And I'm sure that... Uh, we will get it right when it's time to get started again and we'll get it right with regards to social distancing, whether there's fans, whether there's not fans, where to go, where not to go. Yeah. I'll leave that up to them, but they've been right on everything else so far. So I've, I've got every faith that you know, whatever we do, we'll be doing it for the right reasons and, it, and, and it'll be the right choices.
can't wait for that to that us to get back under green flag conditions again. Sam Bird, thanks for joining us. Give the final plug, please, to the Just Giving page for for uh, Sam's Half Marathon project. Go on, give it again, please. So Sam's British Racing Drivers Half Marathon Challenge, guys, on just on the Just Giving page. Um, no pressure, but if you can just donate just a couple of pounds, it makes a difference. You know, every every piece of PP we can try and help for the NHS we're going to try and do it because we need we they need our help right now great initiative mate well done to you and all the boys for, for doing it and the BRDC and everyone else who's got behind it Sam Bird thanks for being with us on Midweek Motorsport thank you guys take care cheers bye bye and Nick Damon's back with us hello and by, by the way I have uh, just retweeted something from Eve which was the Just Giving fundraiser for that it was Sam Bird talked to me earlier on today and Declan Brennan joins us good evening Declan hello how are you all Oh, you sound splendid, Dex. It's like you're well, I'm, I'm, rumors, mate. It's, I'm doing my best. You sound doing so much best. younger than you used to. It's because uh, I, I am getting younger. Uh, I, I've been taking younger pills, or maybe I've been drinking younger. That's not the same thing, is it? <laughs> <That's> what <funny>. pill? <laughs> oh dear. What colour are those pills, Declan? Stop it. <laughs> Move on. Moving right along. Uh, we're going to talk about MotoGP very quickly because oh. uh, on Sunday, uh, Alex Reince. Uh, yeah. Announced he was going to stay with Suzuki. Well, oh, good because uh, hopefully uh, his new contract will will include an allowance for food because he looks like he hasn't eaten in a month. <laughs> he it's... looks terrible. He he tweeted out a picture and it looked like one from a Funhouse mirror, where it made him look even skinnier. He looked like Paul Wicker, the tall vicar from Fizz. He's absolute. He looks terrible. I can't state how emaciated he looks. Is that, so, is that the, the last piece of the jigsaw, Nick, falling into position for when we get racing again uh, for MotoGP? Well, that's this is obviously about about next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there, there has been a very short and uh, early silly season really put into action by uh, Mark Marquez signing for four years. Obviously, yeah, we don't know whether he'll the pairing of him with his brother will work so that's still up in the air and there's always the the what the wild card's going to do with uh, Jorge Lorenzo now Danny Pedrosa saying he wants to do a wild card as well they're all very well rested and forgotten how easy they break bits of themselves uh, and they're, <laughs> they decide they want to do wild cards because basically they're so bored now uh, they're all coming out of retirement they've, they've, they've managed to grease their wounds and they want to do uh, probably, they all want to do Catalonia probably if it's even on I think I think that the whole key now is that is the only seat that's available probably for next year which is Ducati because Petrucci it's I think it's apparent and we might I might be wrong that Petrucci as good as he is isn't good enough and I don't think Jack Miller is I think Jack Miller's inability to make a tire last will uh, prove his downfall in terms of getting that seat so that seat will be available and they'll they need another I honestly believe they not not enough to have a, a number two to Divisio, so I think they need another really top level rider. And Rince m- taking himself out of the equation is fascinating because I've no idea where the next one comes from, unless you know, unless it is Pedroza or. But but then Pedroza was was Felipe Felipe Massa. He was the classic number two for his whole career. So mm. I'm, it's a really peculiar time right now uh, in the sport. And uh, obviously with this season getting shorter and shorter, lots of the riders who uh, say they were planning to retire at the end of this season 
um, like Espargaro and uh, Cal Crutchlow, have now said that they're not considering retiring anymore. Yeah. Well, well they've, they've enjoyed what's commonly known as four months without riding, or three months without riding, and therefore three months without falling off. Well, so particularly for Cal Crutchlow, who... Cal yeah. Crutchlow was in permanent pain. Yeah. So, so uh, his... He's of course. Again, we've used this analogy before. It's like the old joke about the bloke, the Irishman, who uh, was depressed and decided uh, to kill himself by taking four thousand aspirin. Uh, and after the first two, he felt better. You know, it's uh, it's the, <laughs> it's it's the idea that, that you know, uh, Cal Crutchlow goes, "Oh God, I need to retire. My body just, oh, it's awful. Uh, oh, hang on, I haven't ridden for four months. Oh, I feel great. I feel great." <laughs> One minute after he finishes the first session on his, on his LCR Honda, yeah, on his LCR <laughs> Honda, he'll be going. Can somebody carry me off this bike, please? And can mm. I now retire? Uh, I. It is a really. It's very peculiar. This whole thing has caused so much weirdness in all sports, but but MotoGP is absolutely at the top of the list. But they are the ones as well, gentlemen, who have gone the furthest, the quickest down the road. Of behind closed doors, and, and, and they've already said who can and can't go to races. If it happens, they're talking about the Red Bull Ring. Uh, I brought that up with Sam Bird there uh, beforehand. There's a there's a possibility of of racing not on the weekends, particularly if everybody is still in relative lockdown mode to get some TV uh, time. And and I want to move on if I can in the last before bit. Before the... you do, uh huh. Um, I just want to say. Valentino Rossi is rumoured also not to be considering retirement. And There's no way he's retiring. There's no way he's retiring the one in, that really a, shocks in me, a truncated season. No. Bradley Smith is considering not retiring. Hang on. Bradley Smith... I interviewed Bradley Smith in 2006 when he first announced he was going into 125s. Um, 2006, a year when Valentino Rossi actually won the title... He's still not even 30. Hmm. Yes, but it's a very it's, physical world falling off motorcycles at high speed, even with yeah. airbag suits. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's a, it's a really, really... Dema- it's, the sport's it's never sport. been more demanding. It really has. And that's more... Not because I'd, I'd say the 500s of, of the late 80s, the four-cylinder 500s of the late 80s and early 90s were more demanding as bikes, but they are now racing much more. There's way more races. It's a... It, it, it's a uh, it is incredibly demanding. It, it chews people up and spits them out. The fact that Rossi's lasted as long as he has uh, is extraordinary. Just look at look at uh, Jorge Lorenzo. Look at look at how broken Jorge Lorenzo is. Granted, again, he's given had some time off and now suddenly feels like he's on top of the world again. But yeah. uh, let, let's go. Let, let's move on because yeah. uh, we do have uh, Declan here for our special uh, motorsport business feature tonight, which has its own Ooh. jingle. Does it? Yes. Hi then. And when we get One of the absolute staples of the cabaret singer. I've belted that out a few the, times. The, Not as the, well as uh, Sir Tom, I'm sure. Oh, I don't know. The most, 
the most extraordinary joke I've ever heard involves Tom Jones and Siamese twins, and I'm not making it no, up. No, no, no. We'll, we'll leave that for another time then. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, Nick, by all means, if you want to stay with us, because I'd like this is a bit of a um, a bit of a round table, really. We were talking about racing on other days other than weekends. We've done it before. Um, we were talking about it with Sam there. Behind closed doors is certainly an option. The business of motor racing, though, and we've even had, I noticed that John DeGeese reporting on Sportscar 365 today, this afternoon, saying that Gerard Navarre now saying that WEC and ELMS, he said ELMS possibly, he said no to the WEC when he was with us a couple of weeks ago. It's an ever-changing situation. He said even WEC could go on behind closed doors. Something, Dex, has to replace for those big international championships like WEC the ticket money. And yes, it's important to get it on television, certainly. Uh, and that might mean we're racing on a Thursday or a Friday or a Monday or a Tuesday. But what's going to replace the ticket money? And you you reckon that the industry is, is missing a bit of a trick here? Well, I think... It- I don't think it's missing a trick in terms of replacing ticket money. Uh, I do think, before I get to the the point uh, that that you want to talk to me about, I I, I find it extraordinary that uh, that we're in a position where there is talk about, uh, particularly like for example, Texas opening up and having races behind closed doors, and because it it seems to me like, and I know you discussed this earlier in the show that. There's no thoughts being given to, for example, uh, if NASCAR decides to open up again, uh, all of the the teams would have to send their crew through uh, Charlotte Airport mm. and that sort of thing. And and it's just it just seems a legit, legit a logistic impossibility. But uh, it, it to me, uh, and this is not uh, it's not, never going to recoup TV money, but the. All of the championships need to be looking at other revenue streams here and other ways of of uh, of of creating opportunities to just cushion the blow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure running behind closed doors, uh, other than there's got to be pressure from the OEMs to be on track. I think that's 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 the main thing. And, and fulfilling contractual obligations. Yeah. Uh, if if we talk about Formula One for in particular. Absolutely, and that's that's something that we can't avoid. Is that there, they are there is pressure coming from from uh, the stakeholders to to be on television. T- television, uh, particularly in the largest in Formula One and in NASCAR, which are the largest, uh, you, you know, both globally and domestically in the United States. And NASCAR's audience for for uh, its eye racing has been pretty good. Uh, it, it genuinely has been pretty good. But the the idea that uh, I can't. I don't understand t- uh, bodies panicking about this, and uh, and uh, we have this discussion internally w- regarding IMSA and uh, the way IMSA is handling this, and I believe they're handling it pretty well. Insofar as they're they're not trying to force the issue in terms of when they go back, they're waiting to see, and and uh, and but ultimately. The crunch comes, John. I think, and, and I'm saying this from a from a a, a, a point of view as a somebody involved in a team. At some stage we really really need to be racing at some point this year mm-hmm. uh just because there are there are teams like ours who i think we're going to be okay you know you you i think uh, as long as we're, we're we're running later in the year i think things are going to be fine for us but there are definitely smaller organizations and organizations who wouldn't have a, a less uh, uh or, or would have, wouldn't have commitments elsewhere that can help them you know uh, keep their 
their uh, their doors open, and there's going to be teams who, when we come back, won't have uh, won't have the opportunity to go racing because they'll be gone. Well, the other thing I, I, I want to throw into this is, as we've talked about, this this issue is a global issue, but it's not a global issue in terms of everybody's at the same place with it, Nick. And surely, uh, we, we're talking earlier on on the phone in our big interview to Alex Sheeble at Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific, the first people who get cars back out on track, even if it's a national series, they're going to have a huge pent-up demand for streaming, for TV, for global rights, just so that somebody can see it, can't they? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a desperation for content, but I'm not sure it's content at any cost. I mean, it, it, there is a big difference between, um, you know, a 750 Motor Club meeting at Donington and an F1 Grand Prix um, at Silverstone and, and the and the levels in between and what people watch. The, the thing I was thinking about is, and it's a very good point, actually, you make about TV. Live TV really doesn't work um, midweek because we assume we're not all allowed to gather, but we are all allowed to go to work. We'll all be at work. And the races can't happen in the evening. So the only way you can move them to the evening European time, which is the prime viewing area, is if they're over in the States or in South America, which are, you know, having problems themselves. So whilst getting a championship away, uh, it works having it midweek. If you're trying to capitalise on live TV revenue, it doesn't. Well, you're uh, you're assuming that everybody's back to work everywhere in the world. And I don't think that will be the same. Um, Content has to be cheap. Declan Brennan because the advertising market has collapsed. So yeah, and, you know, and iRacing is a phenomenal example of of and the, and the, back to the original point that I know you were asking me about that that is that's the uh, the thing where I think the trick is being missed slightly is that content uh, content is cheap content is also to some extent what you decide to to uh to create at the spur of the moment. You don't have to run championships as they are. We don't have to follow the rules. IMSA Good didn't point. follow the rules with the with with the, the competition yellow. Uh, you know, NASCAR isn't following the or is following the rules to some extent with its eye racing, but it could do Potentially, it could do itself more good by by experimenting with its broadcasting and doing stuff that doesn't uh, reflect the full schedule and doing more road courses or or uh, like for example the the race that Kyle Larson got caught out in with his uh, unfortunate choice of of of, uh, of phrase was uh, was NASCAR running at the old Monza yes I know on the oval. That's great. A brilliant idea, an absolutely brilliant idea. Uh, IndyCar has, uh, is getting or uh, is getting Lando Norris to run uh, this this week in its in its event. But what is the knot at the moment yeah. that that anybody should be thinking about filling? We couldn't find a single live sporting event to do our just to prove we're live uh, side of things. Uh, it's it's twenty one fifty four and. Uh, 14 seconds uh, is just so we're live here in the UK. There isn't any live sports. So what what industry is absolutely on its knees at the minute, Dex? Uh, well, the, the the gambling industry is is taking a massive hit. The daily fantasy industry is taking an even bigger hit, uh, uh, particularly in the states where daily fantasy supersedes it because it's one of them is legal and gambling is only legal in a certain amount of states. So uh, the the betting industry is and and the thing I'm really shocked by is with the legitimacy of 
online racing and the number of stars now taking part in it that there hasn't been uh, a, a bigger connection, particularly with daily fantasy mm. and uh, a bigger exploitation of the opportunities there. Because, John, for goodness sake, Nicaraguan Premier League football is now being bet on. Russian <laughs> table tennis. I, I, I tweeted a couple of weeks ago that I'm really disappointed I wasn't able to make that up because it's actually real. <laughs> Ukrainian, uh, there's a great Reddit. Somebody, uh, somebody sent me a, a Reddit thread about gambling on Ukrainian table tennis, and it's absolutely insane. There's an appetite out there, and motorsports particularly. And right now, where where I'll give people like uh, the guys that we race and and uh, Darren Cox's Jew, he's 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 he looked at the at this open landscape. And said, "Right, let's do something different." And he has his master series, which was McLaren M23s, and he has yeah, yeah, yeah. all of these drivers, and they've got Rocket. Uh, they've got a good sponsor to come in, and and that's I think is the the opportunity that's there, and it's still legitimate. It's legitimate competition, and that's the the part that it almost isn't in any other sport that, no, that, that you could that, replicate. That's very good point. Uh, let, let's finish off here. Phil Anson, hello, Phil. Uh, fabulous, Phil, uh, tweeting at Spec Your Team. He said. Uh, Okay, I, I, I accept what you're saying, but Nick, for example, Formula One, what's the motivation, what's the venue's motivation for holding it behind closed doors? Because particularly in something like Formula One, I mean, we're talking about this with, with Silverstone, the only thing that Silverstone gets from having an F1 race there is ticket sales. So where did the revenue come for a circuit like Silverstone if the ticket sales are taken away? Well, you know, it then becomes a dry hire. And more importantly, you know, they they have they will make some money because they won't obviously have to pay their sanctioning fee, give some bargaining power moving forward. You know, the back scratching environment. So they will, you know, given the fact they don't make an awful lot of money at the Grand Prix anyway, if F1 were to pay them a sanction, a dry hire fee of half a million, they'd probably make more money out of it anyway. So, you know, it, 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 it's the best solution for Silverstone, given the fact that there's no hope in heck they'll be allowed to have 140,000 people there, is to keep the Grand Prix, keep themselves in focus and make a few quid. Tim Gray? The question you need to ask is, what have they got to lose by doing it? Which is nothing. They're not going to do anything else with the circuit that weekend. They're not going to host a track day because people won't be allowed to go and do track no, that, days. No, no, that, that's a fair point. But It would be a track sitting doing nothing. Yes, but if it costs them to put the Grand Prix on, which it does, and they're paying a sanction fee for the Grand Prix, which they do, and the only way they can recoup any of that is by ticket, then somewhere there has to be a change in the negotiation but and a rebalancing. If the sanctioning fee is being waived or if they're getting yeah. a track hire fee which covers the sanctioning fee, yeah. then the, I co- agree the with costs you. of having a track there doing nothing are very similar to having uh, a track with a race going on with nobody there. And there's there's a potential for doing some, uh, for having some re-negotiation uh, of the terms of, of the agreement. Uh, I definitely agree with that. This one is going to go on and on. There is no doubt uh, about that. A quick final word from both uh, Nick and uh, from Dex. Dex, you first of all... How easy or difficult then? We've seen it in uh, the uh, American football, the new American football league that was nationally televised in the state. They had a uh, a big push on betting. That's the first time I'd seen it on uh, national network television in the states. How easy or difficult to get the the gambling industry on board for IMSA's 
Pro Series, for example? I think it's it's one of those things where uh, you've got to be smart. I think ultimately, uh, I think as I said, I think daily fantasy is is the way forward. And and when you have a wide open landscape where you dictate the content, and for example, it's something that that uh, iRacing could do. Uh, you could develop programs that actually generate revenue that could pay drivers to compete mm. uh, uh, and and increase uh, the amount of competition to feed the daily fantasy market. But there's, there's, uh, there is an awful lot. One of the issues, John, I'll say this very quickly is that it seems now that we, the, the sim racing market has exploded over the last few weeks. And there's now more events in sim racing, all of which seem to feature Lando Norris and, uh, Kevin, uh, and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and the other, and Max Verstappen. And Max Verstappen. And yes, it doesn't matter what it, yeah, but it doesn't matter what it is. Lando's not actually doing any of these races. He's just announcing that he's doing them and then saying he's got technical problems and can't connect to the network. That is a fair point, in, in fact. Yes. But, but that's even now, the irony is that the market is now... Uh, uh, saturated it's ridiculous uh, it's like it failed so fast every every series decided once every series decided it was going to launch its own thing then everything is as crowded as the real world it's like it's the perfect simulation of real racing there's now too much of it but uh, well it's more because there's less obviously there's no actual traveling so you can have three events a week which is what's happening <laughs> in one series john one to one of your points you made earlier which uh which i i i absolutely want to come back to uh, again, when you when you were dealing with a clean sheet of paper, IMSA I feel should have gone for two heats on a final or a a, a, a qualifying race, uh, give people more content because the presentation, the racing was great. Uh, it, was it was great. It was great. great. If you have AD entries, take all AD entries. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Nick Damon, we'll finish off with uh, a quick word uh, from you on this uh, uh, and. In particular, then, Formula One. You were asking about what the spread is, about how many races we're going to yes. get off in, in Formula One. I'm not sure anybody will take your bet uh, on that uh, at the moment. But ultimately, Formula One is in a slightly different situation because of the contractual agreements. It's a bit like the Premier League in soccer here, in football here in the UK, that, that there is television revenue that has, has, in some cases, already been paid that clearly they don't want to pay back. Well, yes, the, 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 the television revenue is a huge part of, of what the teams get, let alone what F1 gets. And every race that doesn't happen, there will be a refund involved. So they want to get as many away as possible. And that's the point of being behind closed doors. They still get all the TV money. Even the TV to companies out actually allowed there and have to do it remotely. Even if it goes free to air, which is what I'm seeing, uh, I've heard from a couple of people today, that some premiership games will go free to air and some Formula One uh, will potentially go free to air as well. Well, the, the the agreement is, of course, that all races at the British Grand Prix at Silverstone is supposed to be free to air. So if races happen at Silverstone, they should be free to air on Channel 4. Mm. Yeah, but what if they're not uh, all the British Grand Prix, just one of them is, and then you've got the European Grand Prix. Well, and then I'm you've absolutely sure. have got the Grand Prix of Wales. I'm sure that Sky will be trying to do that. But the, uh, uh, the Grand different Prix countries, of different... Uh, East Anglia or something in like the, that. Uh, in the UK. In the UK, they'll be on Sky barring that one race. What happens elsewhere, I have, don't have enough understanding of the other arrangement. Certainly in the UK, that's what happening. Guys, thank you very much. Sorry to have to wrap up what is a complex discussion, but we gave it a good go. I'd expect your tournament. We'll keep an eye on that for the rest of the week. Tomorrow night, uh, it is uh, another big Thursday with uh, the 
double helping of magazine shows starting at 8 o'clock UK time with the Tora Radio Show which includes uh, a quick look at the new MotoGP game uh, I noticed the guys were testing that I think Jordan's on, on that one even as we speak followed at 9 o'clock by On The Grid we had Creelsey earlier on it's a bit of a bumper edition of On The Grid so expect a bit of overtime there and uh, Creelsey's told me that they will be answering your questions from the collective. So those of you who've been posting on the collective on Facebook uh, and also through uh, Twitter as well, those co- those uh, questions are going into this week's show. So listen in tomorrow from 8 o'clock for the Tour Radio Show, 9 o'clock for On The Grid with Creelsey, uh, Shrebek and the rest of the team. And we'll have more news tomorrow on the socials on exactly what's happening at the weekend in terms of how much of the 24 hours uh, we will be covering. But it is the digital Nürburgring 24 hours at the weekend and we'll be a part of it. Thanks very much to all our guests uh, for being part of the show this evening. Tim Gray was up in London. The responsible adult is omnipresent and there's no time to explain because the llama is still staying safe and still sing home and so should you bye bye this program is a radio show limited production tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com